I have a survival guide to this busy season for you, and it's Pixello. Pixello is a mobile-friendly, all-in-one software that helps photographers get it done with one simple plan. Pixello wants to help you build a successful business all in one place. We all know the feeling of trying to find time to get everything done. Shoots, editing, finding time for your personal life. Well, Pixello is here to save your sanity this busy season. Pixello can help you with anything from business coaching to client booking, galleries, and more. Sign up for a free Pixello trial by using the link in the episode notes. That's P-I-C-S-E-L-L-O and use the link in the episode notes for a free trial of Pixello. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment, oh, keep my sanity Wisdom rushing in so much clearer now. Getting a little bit higher with every step I take. I'm getting good. Getting a little bit better. I'm climbing to the top. Never gonna stop. I'm getting good. Oh. everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for listening. This episode's going to be a good one. I can just I can just tell. I've had this episode brewing for a while and this is actually going to be a two-part episode. I like normally don't do like multiple parts, but here we are. We're venturing into the multiple part episodes. So yes, this episode's going to be all about editing. And I want you guys to know, I do listen to your suggestions because this was suggested to me by someone. Like someone literally was like, you should do episodes on editing. And I was like, yes, I definitely should. So thank you to whoever suggested this. Um, Remember, if you guys want to suggest episode ideas, feel free to literally DM me whatever. Um, I don't always see all of my DMs, but maybe I will. Who knows? Okay. So before we get into today's episode, I really only have one life update because I, I, it was like a week since I recorded my last episode. So not much has happened, but one thing has happened basically yesterday. So I'm recording this on Thursday. Yesterday, November 30th was me and Charlie's dating anniversary. I was going to say anniversary, but it's not. It's our dating anniversary. Um, so on November 30th, I think it was 2015 was when we started dating. So it's been seven years. And yeah, we're married. I get it. Like most people don't celebrate their dating anniversary, which Okay, true. But we also got engaged on our five-year dating anniversary. So I really feel like I have like we have to celebrate our dating anniversary. It's also like kind of a fun time too, because it's like in November, besides like Thanksgiving, we don't have like too much that goes on. So yeah, we celebrated our dating anniversary yesterday and we went out to dinner. So it was fun. Yeah. So that's really my one life update. Also, just kind of on the topic of Charlie. 
some people, I'm sure the people listening to this probably, this is not you, but um, sometimes when people like see my posts on Instagram or TikTok and I'm taking pictures of my sisters, they think it's me because me and my sisters look a lot of a lot alike. But the reason I'm saying that is because sometimes people will think that I'm like not with Charlie anymore. I'm with like some other person because like my sisters are obviously dating like different. They're like with their own people. And so it's just funny because like people will comment and be like, oh, I thought this was you. And I was like, what happened to Charlie? And yeah, so nothing has happened to Charlie or will happen to Charlie. It's just I take pictures of my sisters and they have their own significant others. So that's what I want to say. I, I think it's kind of funny when people like comment that my sisters look like me because I don't really see it. But then like when it's like 20 people all comment the same thing, I'm like, okay, maybe this is true. I don't know. Okay. So that's it. That was a quick, quick little update. I feel like that was a lot quicker than I normally do it. So like I said, this is going to be a series. Um, today is going to be an editing overview editing 101 and editing overview. Um, I'm not going to dive into too much detail about the specifics of like actually editing, like as far as like the colors and the exposure goes, I'm actually going to do that next week for my episode next week. So you can look forward to that. But this week I wanted to talk just about editing in general, because I don't talk a lot about it on my podcast. Um, I probably talked about it a little, but I think one of the reasons that I've just kind of strayed away or like been a little nervous to talk about it is because editing is so visual and what I'm doing right now is very not visual. It's literally like you're just listening to me. So it's a little hard and I'm not super great at using my words to describe things. So that's kind of why I've been like not talking about editing, but I think it would be great to talk about editing. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to try my absolute hardest to describe certain things. And I am always like always recording this for YouTube. So if you want to watch me talk about this on YouTube, feel free. Um, Always linked in the show notes there. Okay. So I wanted to start by talking about my whole entire process and just kind of give you like a really wide view of it all. When I first started photography, I feel like I, I wish I could have just had like a big like blueprint of the normal like way to edit and how to do it because I, it took me like at least a year to actually figure out like how, like how to edit and like what a good process looked like. And obviously everyone does things differently. So you might be listening to this and discover that you edit differently, which is totally fine, but this is how I do it. And I wanted to give you guys like a big blueprint first. So the first thing when it comes to editing is you're going to have your SD card. Um, and that's going to have all your photos on it from your shoe or your wedding or whatever. All of your photos are going to be on your SD card to even back it up further you really should be shooting on two SD cards or if your camera takes an SD card and a CF card, you just want to have an instant backup of your photos. Um, I'm sure you guys hear this all the time, but I just cannot say it enough. Backups are so important in this specific industry 
because if your photos go corrupt, there's a good chance you might not be able to get them back. And redoing moments and redoing sessions, redoing weddings, it's almost impossible. Um, yeah. So make sure you are backing up your work, starting with shooting on two SD cards. So when it comes to the editing process, you're going to have two SD cards. You really only need one, but you're going to have that other one just kind of set off to the side just in case. I feel like you really need a good system for organizing your SD cards, especially if you shoot a lot of stuff like during the summer months and you're a little bit slower during like the winter time. It's really good to have an organization system for all of your SD cards, because if you do actually shoot on two SD cards, you want to make sure that you're actually keeping both of those SD cards until you know, you deliver the photos and, you know, all is good with all the photos because if they're, they're not and like somehow your hard drive gets stolen, maybe you'll have copies of photos on SD cards. So I actually saw someone who organized all of their SD cards, like in this little, I think it was like a jewelry organizer. And basically like they put their SD cards in each slot and then labeled it with the couple's name or like the session name, whatever. And you put the two SD cards there and you literally don't format them or reuse those cards until you deliver the photos. So I think for me, it's really hard to keep everything organized. So that whole like system of the jewelry organizer, I think would be super helpful when you have a system like that though, you do have to like really like have a lot of SD cards. Like you, you've got to have an abundance of SD cards. If you're shooting 20 weddings, um, and you're, you know, let's say you're using two SD cards for a wedding. Well, that's technically four SD cards because you're backing them up Four SD cards times 20 weddings. That's literally 80 SD cards. So, um, you know, you got to have a lot of SD cards to make this system work, but it definitely is worth it. Um, if once you deliver the photos though, I probably would be comfortable at least formatting those cards and reusing them because you probably have backups of those photos on your hard drives. So you can kind of use your discretion with that whole system, but wow, that was a lot. Uh, Okay. Back to editing. I start with my SD card. Okay. My SD card card gets plugged into my computer. Then what I do is I have two separate hard drives. Um, And basically these hard drives are exact copies of one another, one another. Um, And the purpose of having two is literally just to back up all of my work and to back things up. Um, yeah, it's funny cause recently I feel like I've been talking a lot on my social media about hard drives. Um, but they're, they're pretty important and it's something that like, even if photography is a hobby for you, you, if you're shooting on raw specifically, you need a hard drive. Um, cause an external hard drive is going to help you with saving space on your computer. If you just go and like take your SD card and dump all your photos on your computer, eventually your computer storage is going to like fill up. And instead of having to get a new computer, when your computer fills up, you can just use a bunch of external hard drives and maybe you categorize them or whatever. Um, so you can still have all your work stored, but you don't have to like get a new computer every time, you know, you, shoot more than 500 gigs of photos. You know what I'm saying? So the two S the two 
not SD cards, the two hard drives. It's going to be a huge thing for this whole entire process. So plug in my SD card. We've got the two hard drives. Then what I do is copy my photos from my SD card over onto both of the hard drives. I have this like organization system within my hard drive. I think it just kind of depends on how you work and how things work for you. I know everyone's different when it comes to organization, but for me, I've found it super helpful to have my hard drive organized in different folders. So I have my client's folder and that folder is going to consist of edits, Lightroom catalogs, and then cold raws. And that word cold actually just means like sorted or like selected raws. So all of my images that have edits on them have a raw that is attached to it that like I keep both of those. So I don't keep all of my images forever. I just keep the edits and then the raws of the edits. Um, And I do keep those forever because I do think it's important to save your raws and have raws in the future in case you need them. So that's my client's folder. Then I have another folder in my hard drive called in progress. And basically for me, this means these photos are in progress. They're in the middle of being edited. I don't touch that folder until I know for sure that like the photos have been delivered, like the client likes the photos, like whatever it's been like maybe a couple weeks, a couple months, whatever my contract says that like I need to keep the photos for like that time period. That's how long I'll keep all of the photos in, in progress. And it really is important to keep those photos for at least a little bit after gallery delivery. For example, I just had a client come to me and she was like, Hey, I am working on my Christmas card. I noticed that like there's not a family photo shot with like me and my husband and my whole family. Um, did you like, I can't remember if we took it. Can you check to see if you had it? Turns out that there was a mistake on my end where that photo literally got deleted from the gallery. So I found that photo from my in progress folder, re-edited it and put it up there. Um, so you just never know. And that's why I think it's important to keep that in progress folder around for a little bit. So that's kind of the system of my hard drive. And the important thing to note here is when you're going from SD card to hard drive to copy and paste. So command C, command V, all of your photos over instead of dragging and dropping them. Um, I don't know if this is a myth, but I heard that your files have a higher chance of going corrupt if you drag and drop them versus copying and pasting them. I don't know if that's true, but like I'm not willing to take any chances. So I just select all my photos from my SD card, paste them over onto my hard drive. Um, So once that process is done and I have copies of my photos on two hard drives, two SD cards, then is when we get into the editing process. And we don't even like get into the editing, editing process for a while. There's still one more step, which is the culling and sorting process. Um, so I use photo mechanic to cull all of my photos. Um, at this point I am basically like just working off of like just an artistic perspective when I'm culling and I can get into more detail of my culling process in a minute. Um, once you cull and sort through the photos, then I'm going to create a new folder on my hard drives in my client's folder 
called cold raws, or you could call it sorted raws. Um, but basically this is indicating to me that these are the photos that I've chosen to edit and I'm separating them. These are the raws that are separated that I'm going to edit. Um, so the reason that I do that is so then I can import into Lightroom and only import the photos that I know I want an edit on. Um, the more photos that are in Lightroom, the longer it's going to take to load. Um, sometimes it's a little bit more confusing. So for me, it's just easier to only import the photos that I know I want to edit. Um, and for that reason, that's why I'm creating a separate folder called cold raws where I no longer need my in progress folder as much as I just need my sorted raws folder, which I'm then importing into Lightroom. Um, once I'm in Lightroom, then I will go and edit through the photos. Um, once they're all edited, I export onto my external hard drive. So into my client's folder, I'll create another folder called edits, export all the photos there, and then I deliver all of my photos on PickTime. So let's start with... Um, well, okay, we're going to go through each of those steps again, and I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. Um, when it comes to the importing process, I feel like I basically covered everything that I wanted to, except I did want to say that sometimes a cloud storage is really helpful. Um, yeah, there are different like cloud storage options, but cloud storage is super helpful um, just in case something happens to your hard drives. I don't know. It's like an extra layer of backup. So um, I currently use Backblaze as a cloud storage option. There are other cloud storages as well. But that's just something to keep in mind for an extra layer of protection if you're feeling like protecting yourself a little bit more. So let's talk about the culling process because I feel like I really dove into the importing process, but culling. So for culling, like I mentioned, I use Photo Mechanic. And basically, Photo Mechanic is a software that will load your RAWs quicker than if you were to import them into Lightroom. So Photo Mechanic is a software designed to help you sort your photos faster. There are lots of different ways to sort your photos, but not all of them are effective. For example, I um, have had calls with people before who literally just go on their SD cards, like on their computer and just start deleting the images they don't want. And they'll double click, open an image, double click, open an image, decide between those two and delete one. That literally takes so long. Like me thinking about doing that, like I think I would quit photography like that. If you have been doing that and you've hung in there, good for you. I honestly don't think I have the patience to do that. So that's one way of culling that I definitely wouldn't recommend. There's also culling in Lightroom, which I actually used to do this when I first started, but I learned that it's not very effective. <laughs> um, it's not very quick, not very effective. Uh, basically, when you cull in Lightroom, you are importing your photos either from your hard drive or sometimes from your SD card, pulling them all into Lightroom, and then using Lightroom to tag and sort your photos. The 
problem with that is the Lightroom doesn't load photos very quickly. Like it's not really designed to like sort necessarily. They actually, Lightroom used to have, um, I guess Adobe used to have a program called Adobe Bridge and that was their culling software. I don't think it really ever took off or like became a thing. Um, I don't know if they even still have it, but that was like their version of Photo Mechanic. So culling in Lightroom, I wouldn't recommend doing that either. Photo Mechanic is something that I love. Um, this isn't sponsored by them or anything. I literally just like their software. But what I like about it is it's a one-time fee. So you pay for it one time and then you don't ever pay again. It's not like monthly or whatever. Like that's what I like about it. Cause it's like, I've had the software for like three years now and I paid a hundred dollars for it three years ago. So like the longer you have it, the more it's like so worth it. Another popular culling software is narrative. Um, I don't know too much about narrative, so I can't really speak on it too much, but I do know it's a software similar to photo mechanic. A big reason why these culling softwares are so helpful, one is because they load your raws quicker, but two, it lets you separate your raws, like your tagged or selected raws from all of the other photos that you took. This was something that I struggled with when I was culling in Lightroom. I wanted a way to only save the edited images and the raws that went with the edits. And I couldn't figure out how to do that in Lightroom. And I ended up like I would go and export all the photos once as a JPEG and then export them again as originals. Um, and that actually isn't very effective because when you export them as originals, you still like change the metadata on the image. So then like if you ever were to reopen the Lightroom catalog, those photos, you'd have to go in and like, like reconfigure and like attach each raw with each edit. So it would just, it, it was a lot. So that's a really nice bonus to using a culling software. You can literally choose to move the photos that you've tagged and selected into a separate folder on your hard drive and separate them and then when you go and import all of those photos into Lightroom, at any point you can reopen your Lightroom catalog as long as you have a hard, your hard drive plugged in because you're going to have the, that cold raws folder in your hard drive forever. So it's like really nice to just be able to reopen a catalog at any point and like make adjustments to edits or, you know, use a photo as an example, whatever. I have found it so helpful. Okay. So when I'm culling, I am looking for changes in orientation, expression, and composition. Those are the main things that I'm searching for. Um, as you are sorting through your images, you need to be acting on instinct. You need to be looking through your photos. And if a photo doesn't like instantly connect with you, and if you're not instantly like, ooh, this is definitely a yes, like that that's a good way to judge whether or not to pick a photo or not. When I'm sorting, I'm looking for, um, if it's like a wide shot versus a close up, I'll pick both of those. If my client goes from smiling to a straight face, I'll pick each of those. So I'm just looking for changes. 
another like thing that is a change would be a change in event. So there's a change in expression, change in composition, but if there's a change in an event, so for example, during a wedding ceremony, if we go, if we go from vows to rings, those are moments where I'm making sure I'm tagging each of those moments because it's a, a change in event happening. Or if we go from a speech at a wedding to a hug, you know, all of that would be something that I would tag. I would tag like a photo from each of those sections because there's a change happening. And that's part of storytelling is being able to differentiate and select the best photo from one moment. And I do this too. A lot of photographers will sit and like debate between two photos that are literally identical. Like there's hardly a shift in anything. Maybe like your client is smiling a little bit more or you literally shifted just a t- just one step to the left. At that point, you just need to make an executive decision based on your gut emotional reaction to the photos and just pick one. And I guarantee your client isn't going to notice. Like they're not going to be like, you actually took one photo from this angle and then one photo from this angle. Can I have both angles? Like I really don't think your client is going to do that. So don't stress too much. When you're culling, I really look also for um, making sure that I have enough photos or that I like have too many. You know, I'm looking at that number pretty frequently too, because I do, I have like a minimum number that I promise in my packages. I want you guys to know that it's literally never been a problem for me to hit that number ever. I've never had a time where I've been like five photos under. I've always been like a hundred or 200 photos over. So I just want to make sure though, that I'm always hitting my target. And there are times when I am over delivering, I'm over selecting. And that's really not great either because then your client feels overwhelmed when they see the final gallery and they're just, they don't know which photo to pick. It almost like muddles their experience with you and doesn't make it as as great as it could be because that makes your gallery not as strong when you're including like 10 shots that are basically the exact same. So that's something else to look for on photo mechanic or wherever you choose to call your photos. Look for the number of photos that you're delivering. And honestly, once I finish tagging all of my photos and picking them all, I switch to like the big grid view and I'm looking at the gallery as a whole, like unedited, I'm looking at everything and seeing like, okay, this one is really similar to this one. I'm going to go back and pick just one. If I have way too many photos like that, that's what I'm doing because I want my client's first impression of the gallery to be similar to like an Instagram feed. I want it to be like, wow, not only are each of the individual photos great, the gallery as a whole is a work of art. That's what I'm going for. And I think that's what we all should go for. Like I know there's a sense of security and over delivering, but really I think it would benefit you to kind of scale back as far as over delivering goes on the images. I think I talked about this in my overshooting episode. (laughs) I think I talked about overshooting and over delivering. So if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that topic, go to that episode because I need to stop talking about it. Okay. So now let's talk about actually editing in Lightroom. 
I'm not going to go into too much detail, like I said, because I'm going to do my detailed explanation and my deep dive in the next episode. The main things to note about editing in Lightroom first is that I edit in Lightroom Classic. Okay. So I know that there's like different things to edit in. There's Lightroom Classic, there's Lightroom CC. I think it's literally just called Lightroom though. You can edit on Lightroom Mobile. All of those are great options. I just find that with what I do and like how much, um, like, I guess like photo specific things as far as like masking. And I feel like you just have more capabilities on Lightroom Classic, which is why I edit in Lightroom Classic. And you always want to be editing in the develop tab. That's, you know, that's a pretty obvious thing. But if you didn't know, you edit in the develop tab in Lightroom. A big thing for me that I found super helpful is syncing your settings. So when you're shooting a session or if it's a wedding, you'll notice that the lighting will vary and like depending on your angle and like the lighting scenario, like you can sync your settings across multiple images. I find that I usually will shoot with like a certain background and certain lighting. I'll do like two or three poses and then I kind of shift my angle, move my subjects a little bit, and then I keep going. And in that case, you really just can edit your first photo from that, select all of your images from like that lighting scenario and just sync them all the way across. It's super easy, super efficient. And in my opinion, it's the best way to edit. If you need to get your photos done and you feel like you spend forever on one single image, try syncing your settings. It's going to help with consistency. And honestly, it's going to help you finish your galleries 10 times as fast. I promise. So syncing your settings, that's a huge one. If you are a little iffy about syncing your settings, I would try copying and pasting your settings. This is basically the same thing, but it gives you a little bit more control. So you're able to kind of go photo by photo and just command C, command V, and just keep doing that as you make tweaks to the lighting and to the exposure. You can kind of do that across your gallery. When you sync your settings, I forgot to mention, you do go back and like actually look at the end result. Okay. So you actually do need to go in and review each individual photo and make sure that like the edit pasted over well and was synced well. So you do have to make tweaks just like any other photo. You'll need to make a tweak because, you know, random things change per image, but the syncing aspect, it just saves you a lot of time. If you get the tweaks that you need, syncing it across you're going to find there are lots of images that you hardly have anything to fix. Maybe crop it a little, straighten it a little, bump up or down the exposure, and then you can move on. So the last thing I want to say for editing in Lightroom is finding a good base preset. I think this is huge for anyone struggling with consistency, anyone who just literally feels like they don't know how to edit. Finding a good base preset is so essential. I don't think that you should use it as a crutch, but I definitely think it's helpful to have a good base preset when you're editing. The next step that I didn't go into too much detail was delivering my photos. So I deliver my photos in pick time. Like I said, that's P I C time. Okay. Some people think it's like P I C K. No, it's like pick time. Anyway, Pick time is my favorite for gallery delivery at the moment. Um, 
I think that when it comes to gallery delivery, it needs to offer more than just gallery delivery. So on pick time, you can um, have like a little store, like a print store, and you can sell prints. And that's like a really good source of passive income. I swear, like I probably get like, it might be like a hundred bucks a month from my pick time sales. And like, that's money that I don't like, literally, I didn't think about that at all. Like it just kind of happened because people are buying prints and whatever. So that's a really nice thing about pick time. You can also like on pick time, ask your clients to like pick photos for you. So if like you need, if you offer prints in your packages and you need them to pick 25 of their favorite photos, you can like send them a prompt where they can pick those photos. And the huge thing for me, this is so key is having access to your galleries, any gallery from any point in time, I have access to all of it on my phone. And the reason this is helpful is for video making, content creation, social media, all of that. I feel like you need access to all of your photos right at your fingertips. It's not enough to just have like your three most recent sessions. Like you need to show like examples. And like, if you want to pull from the archives and create a post, like having to go and pull out an old hard drive and start searching for photos is so annoying. Trust me. It is so annoying. So that's something that I love about pick time. And just like, you know, there's other gallery delivery services like pixie set, I just think it's super nice having access to all of those photos and being able to download them high res onto your phone at any point in time. Yeah. There are moments where like I'm talking to someone like in person and I want to show them an example of something that I shot. I'm literally, I'm able to just go and find the photos. It's, it's so easy. Okay. All right. I'm done talking about big time. (laughs) Okay. So I wanted to overview the develop tab for a little bit. I know I said I was going to, I'm going to deep dive into that next episode, but there are really like, I'm going to tell you the main areas that I use when I'm editing in the develop tab in Lightroom. The first area is the basic exposure area. This I'm using very frequently tweaking per photo, the tone curves. This is a huge area for creating a base preset. And I'll talk about that next episode. HSL And like, uh, you know, the color tweaking, hue, saturation, luminance, that's huge. That's a huge thing that I'm always using. Color grading. I'll talk a lot about this next episode. I am obsessed, obsessed. Guys, I'm obsessed with color grading. It's amazing. I used to not know how to use color grading. I used to not color grade my photos. And it has changed my life. Okay. Calibration. This is another huge thing. A lot of people are scared of calibration. If you don't even know what I'm talking about, it's all the way at the bottom in Lightroom Classic. The very, very last option. We'll talk about this next episode as well. Lens corrections. Enabling profile corrections. This is a huge thing that I just wanted to talk about really quickly. Basically what this does, this specific setting, I think it's in, it's in the lens correction section and it's literally a little tick checkbox that says enable profile corrections. 
what this does is it takes your raw image and it's able to see, okay, this was shot on a Canon R6 on a 50 millimeter. Okay. It's able to see that information. And with that information, with the 50 millimeter specifically, it is able to get rid of the natural vignette and distortion that comes along with using different lenses. So I don't know if you've ever noticed with like a 24 millimeter or something that's a really, really wide, you have like a literal fishbowl fish eye effect. And it also makes those outer edges a little bit darker. But when you have this feature enabled, you're still able to capture like the wide, the wideness of a 24 millimeter, but it kind of helps you fix some of that distortion in the vignette. So I have this like ticked for every single one of my photos. I just feel like it, it creates like an even like look at my photos. Like all, all I want you to do is go and like click and unclick this option. And you're going to see like how big of a difference this makes. Okay. And then the last thing is grain. This is a huge thing that I implement in my presets. And I think it's in the effects option in Lightroom classic grain. I love it, but I also hate it. Um, so this is something that I find myself tweaking quite often. Okay. So we have two more things to talk about and then I'm a wrap it up. Okay. These two things, the first is how to get consistency. This is something that I really, really want to cover. Um, cause this, <laughs> I get asked this literally all the time. Like there's one question that I could make 10 cents on every single time I get asked it. I, this will be the question guys. So how do you get consistency in your editing, in your work? It comes down to a few different things. A big thing is using the same preset or the same edit for all of your images. A lot of people, I feel like when you're first starting out, it, it can be very clear that you don't have like a grip on your editing style yet because you are using like a different edit per photo you know, literally per photo, not just per session, but like per photo, you're delivering different edits. I think consistency is the biggest thing for booking clients. Like they, they want to know what they can expect from you as far as like the end result. And if they don't have trust and faith in your end result, then they're definitely not going to book with you. So using that same preset and that same edit for every single photo, every single session, that is going to be huge. Your just naturally your work will start looking consistent. Now, with that being said, you do want to make sure that that edit is like exactly how you want it to be. Because if you, you know, you edit like your last five sessions with this one edit, and then you're like, man, I actually don't like that edit anymore. I'm going to go change it. Like that's hard. Like it's really hard to go back and like, reconfigure things on Instagram and just like re-communicate your style. So this is something that as intimidating as it sounds, you want to figure out early on, or at least get like in the right direction towards the edit that you want. You can change your edit at any point in time. I just like want you guys to know you can change your edit whenever as long as your work like isn't drastically going from like moody to light and airy, I really feel like you can change a preset and your clients might probably won't even notice. I did that and my clients did not notice at all. 
So as long as you're like within like the same like realm of editing, maybe you're just a little bit cooler toned. Like, yeah, you'll be fine. Shooting style. This has a huge impact in consistency. A lot of people will like look at their photos and they'll be like, I just feel like my work isn't consistent. I just don't like my photos. And the problem is you are looking at like other people's photos that are taken in the mountains of Arizona or I don't even know if Arizona has mountains in like the desert in Palm Springs in like the salt flats. Like you are looking at all of this work that has like beautiful locations and I, and beautiful lighting and outfits, all of that I feel like really impacts consistency and style. So, you know, if you find yourself shooting, in a park that's really, really green and you shoot at noon all the time, but you like golden hour photos and you like neutrals, like you're not going to end up liking your work. It's not going to be consistent. You're not going to like it. So take note of the things that you find yourself gravitating towards. If you like, um, very neutral things, like you like whites and browns and like, you know, that type of edit, maybe you shoot like downtown and you, or like with a big open sky or in like wheat fields, those are good options for you because that matches like the coloring that you like. Or if you, if you're more of like an earthy person, uh, maybe you shoot, shoot, go shoot by the water, go shoot in the forest. Like if you like a little bit more colorful vibe, think about those things when you are picking your locations, picking your outfits, cause that impacts consistency so much. That's something that I've noticed in my work alone, like consistency in lighting, location, all of those things have really impacted my work. Okay. Calibration and tone curves. This is another thing that we'll touch on next episode, but these two areas specifically, the tone curves, they are essential for having a great base preset and the tone curves basically are what determines the look of your photo. Like at the end of the day, the, the tone curve is it and same with calibration. So those two things need to be consistent and you'll find that like most of the time we're not tweaking the tone curve or calibration all the time. You just kind of set it for the preset and then you leave it because you don't really need to tweak the tone curve all the time is what I'm trying to say. So those are the things that's going to impact consistency all the time all day. The next few things are just little tricks that help with consistency. One is using the reference tool in Lightroom. So in Lightroom Classic, literally at the very bottom left-hand corner of the screen, there's like a little button. It says R and then there's a line and then it says A. And what this does is it allows you to reference your previous photos in that catalog with your current photo. So you can pick you know, one photo as a reference, and then you edit all your photos to look like that one photo. This is going to help with consistency because you're going to be able to see white balance. You're going to be able to look at skin tone. You're going to be able to look at, you know, exposure and really see like, okay, this matches this. My contrast looks the same. Everything looks the same. So that means it's a consistent edit. I do this all the time, especially if you're trying to learn consistency and learn editing, you need to be able to, in your brain, memorize 
the skin tones that you like and the contrast that you like. You need to have those things memorized. But until then, you need to use a reference tool or use something to help you with that consistency. I know it sounds weird to like memorize your edits, but visually to know what what things need to be changed, the only way to do that is with time. Like time is going to help you memorize your edits and get consistency. So it sounds weird, but like for now, if you aren't at that point, use that reference tool in Lightroom. The other thing that I like to do is use the grid view in Lightroom. So after I edit through all the photos, I'll go back to the library tab, switch to the grid view. I kind of adjust it so the icons in the photos like aren't super small, but they're big enough to where like I can still maybe see like half of the gallery on the page. But the reason that I do this is so one, I can see if I have a strong gallery. So I'm looking to see if any of my photos are too similar. Um, Two, I'm looking for consistency. Does anything stand out or does anything like look weird or look out of place? That is what I'm looking for. If you know, you shoot tons and tons of neutrals and then all of a sudden you have one photo in front of a red barn. Like I'm going to say that probably doesn't match the rest of your aesthetic and the rest of your galleries. Maybe get rid of that one. Um, so yeah, those are the, the kind of things you're looking for when you're using the grid view and looking at consistency. Okay. Last thing we're going to talk about are just my general tips for the whole editing process. I have specific tips for specific editing that we'll talk about on part two, but this is just for the process as a whole. Here are some tips that have helped me in the editing process. So, um, the first thing is knowing when to use Photoshop. This is a question I get asked a lot too. Do I edit on Photoshop? Do I edit in Lightroom? Which one, which one, when, how do you know? For me, I find that if I can do everything in one software, this is going to be ideal. Like keep it all in one place. Keep it simple. That's like my motto, right? Like we want to simplify the process as much as possible. Lightroom has great, um, like editing tools as far as masking and cloning and healing goes. They just came out with a content aware, like heal option, which is new in Lightroom. You used to be able to just like heal certain areas and like pull an area onto another area and kind of heal it and blend it. But the content aware fill option is amazing. And that's something that I found myself like I'd go into Photoshop just to use content aware. So the fact that they offer in Lightroom now is just like one step less, like one less reason I need to use Photoshop. Photoshop I use when I am basically a last case scenario, my last resort for editing something out. That's, that's the main reason I use Photoshop is to edit something out of an image that is just too complicated in Lightroom. The main things I use in Photoshop are content aware, clone stamping, maybe like the lasso and like magic wand tool. And I'm like selecting things and then using content aware fill in those areas. Um, yeah. So that's when I use Photoshop. I would say my whole wedding season that I just did, I used Photoshop twice. Um, one to edit out like these annoying, like 
power lines that I, I should have known while I was shooting that they were in the way, but I didn't. So there were these power lines in my shot that I went and like tried to fix. And then, um, there was like a girl that specifically asked for one photo with like less flyaways. Cause that's the one she wanted to use for like a Christmas card. So I was like, sure, I can do that. So that's the main time that I'm using Photoshop. Besides that, I am doing retouching in Lightroom, getting rid of stuff in Lightroom. Like Lightroom is my one-stop shop. The next tip is figuring out what to edit on. This is a big one. Like, okay, we're talking about editing, but like how can we edit on a device that makes it as simple as possible? And like, it's the most effective way to edit. So my recommendation, and I'll just kind of tell you what I prefer. My, my answer and my preferences are not like the end all be all, but I like to edit on the MacBook pro. I've always been like an Apple person, but I got a MacBook pro right when I graduated high school and I got another one at, after like two years. And then I got a new one, which is the one that I'm editing on currently. I just find that the MacBook Pro, it's a laptop. So I'm able to pick it up and go work at a coffee shop. I'm able to go work at my kitchen table and then I can go work in my bed. And, you know, mobility is key for me. I, I struggle being in one place and like having the same surroundings. That's literally why I rearranged my office because I'm like, I just... I need something different. So that's the nice thing about having my laptop. I can edit from anywhere. I can go over to my mom's house. Like if I've got a time crunch of like, I need to be here, but I have a call, like I can bring my laptop with me. Okay. That's a huge thing with the laptops. There's like different settings and like storage and Ram and stuff that is good for editing. (laughs) And I'm just going to say is good because I literally don't know what those things are. If you are interested in learning more about RAM and storage and like what affects editing, please go to YouTube and search that because I'm sure there is a much more professional person that could answer that question for you. But all I'm going to tell you is the MacBook Pro is my go-to. I've used an iMac before, which if you don't know, the iMac is like the desktop stationary Mac and I, the only reason I don't like it is because I can't pick it up and go someplace else. It's nice because the screen is gigantic and it's a big monitor. Um, so that would be another option. I know people who have like editing um, monitors, like they'll use like a PC and whatever. That is like beyond my knowledge, like to be able to configure all of that. So that's another option. A PC, you know, people will do like custom setups for all of that. Um, you can also edit on like an iPad and use like Lightroom mobile. The only reason that I'm hesitant to do this, I like in my Christmas list episode, like the last episode, I talked about maybe wanting to get an iPad, but the reason I'm hesitant is because of storage. Like I think you have to store all of your photos on like the Lightroom cloud And I just have way too many photos to do that. So that's something that I like still need to try and figure out. Okay. The last tip and just like topic I wanted to talk about is Lightroom Classic versus Lightroom CC. And like, if you don't know the difference, Lightroom CC is, um, it's basically like Lightroom mobile, but you can get it on like a laptop or desktop and Lightroom classic is just for desktop. You can't get it anywhere else. 
Um, and the reason that I use Lightroom Classic is because I just feel like I have more um, freedom. There's more options. Um, I have more capabilities in Lightroom Classic. But if you're the person that does edit like on an iPad or like on your phone sometimes, and you also like have your laptop, that would be a good scenario to use a Lightroom CC because you can sync your photos across, you know, on their cloud. So you can have access to your photos on either your desktop or your phone. The only thing is you don't have like as much capabilities as far as like tweaking goes and stuff like that. The calibration option that I've been talking about isn't even a thing in Lightroom CC. So I do feel like there comes a stage where I think like professional full-time photographers, most of them use Lightroom Classic and then Lightroom CC, you know, it's not necessarily for if you're shooting weddings and sessions and you shoot hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photos. Okay. That that's the main difference I find between the two is if you're shooting hundreds of photos and like you need like a system and you need to be able to sync, like that is Lightroom classic. If you find that, you know, maybe you're picking and choosing and you know, you're a little bit more chill with it. That's going to be Lightroom CC. Okay, guys, I just talked about editing for literally almost an hour and we've got another episode coming just about the same exact topic. We're just going to dive a little bit deeper. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you loved this episode on editing. A little something different for you guys. I would love for you to rate and review the podcast. If you haven't done that already, that's going to be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, literally any of that. You can also follow me. If you listen to me on Spotify, I would love for you to follow me because you'll get notifications when a new episode is posted. Sometimes I do bonus episodes. So like you got to stay in the loop. Okay. All right. That's it guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment, oh, keep my sanity. No wisdom rushing in. So much clearer now. Getting a little bit higher. With every step I take, I'm getting good. Getting a little bit better.